Welcome to Walker Division podcast number four. Women of a certain age, not bath, not, not stylish, just outwork. This week in Piddling with Poddling, we have a guest. A guest? A oh guest. A real one. A live, breathing guest. Somebody we didn't have to pay money to come and talk to us. Exactly. No, we nearly did. We popped down to Alfkit to talk to Nick Smith, who's one of the founders of the company, uh, and he had quite a lot to tell us. He did. Uh, he was very informative. He told us a lot about the company, including the fantastic news for us personally that they are doing larger sizes in clothing. Hurrah! Hurrah indeed. Clothes that women of a certain size can get their boobs into. And hips. And we also asked them a little bit about why they started making bikepacking kits so long ago before it even became trendy. So, here's Nick Smith. We started out with kit because we realised that we had all the things to kind of start an outdoor brand and it was all about the outdoors it wasn't about being a climbing brand or being a bouldering brand or being a bike packing brand it wasn't a, a word banded around a lot it was more about we were climbers we were paddlers we'd done a bit of skiing we spent a lot of time in the outdoors with family and, and it was just that that was definitely an appreciation of that's the nice bit there's an element of of that where I like the kind of the extremist bit doing stuff and I'm feeling yeah that's really hard mm. but it's only when it's when it actually just sort of dial it down a little bit, it makes the easy bit even nicer. Mm. So I like that bit of pushing yourself and then kind of like, oh, I really enjoy and can see every, everything around. And I guess as just you get older, yeah. you, you, you feel <laughs> empowered to enjoy it more. You know, it's kind of like, you're kind of going, you guys who are doing 300k a day, that's great, enjoy it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm equally enjoying it. So it's, it's always been about that kind of that love of the outdoors. Then in terms of, I suppose, like actually starting a, a business and going, what, you know, what's our part of this? A very, the very simple thing was we, we were looking at the cost of equipment and you know, we were looking at the brands that we'd admired for a long time, the kind of the ramps, the mountain equipments. And you suddenly realise when you're looking at a sleeping bag and it's costing 300 quid, not everybody's got 300 quid. Yeah. Yeah, I'd spent my, my career has been in the outdoor industry. I started at Black's originally, Action mm. Sports in Cambridge, which is a small kind yeah. of multi-sport store in, in, in Cambridge. And you kind of lose touch. Once you're in the industry, yes. you, you forget when you get these kind of staff discounts and stuff, actually yeah. what it means that if you're on a pretty normal wage, this stuff costs a lot of money. Yeah. If you kind of, you know, you, whatever level you are, you still want things that weigh less, pack smaller, work when it's cold, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of collectively, and we'd all, you know, we, I was sharing a house with Kenny and Carl, I'd been working with, with Jim at Equip. So we kind of, you know, we'd obviously, we'd known each other for a long time, certainly at that point, probably, you know, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of realising that we, we knew how to design equipment, we knew the elements of kind of having a website, we knew about retail, but there were, really wasn't a kind of direct-to-consumer brand. So we felt that essentially if we could go direct to the consumer, reduce the cost as much as possible, mm. that was a really good way of getting really great gear into the hands that people could use it. And that was kind of like, that was the business plan. Basically, I'd try and sell half price and we'll be, you know, we had a very, very early tagline, which was not cheap, just direct. Mm. And it was trying right. to put things simple to kind of, you know, this is what we're, what we're about. Literally within the first week, we realised that although that's that's great, they actually wanted service, mm-hmm. and I think it was a time when even on the high street, particularly on the web, people weren't actually getting great service behind great gear, 
and we'd get emails where someone said, well, uh, yeah, it's amazing, you know, you've, you've sent that item out and I've got it the next day. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's amazing about that, but okay, we'll, we'll roll with it. You know, this was sort of just as Amazon was coming into it, you know, you've got the sort of bigger, really, you know, multinational companies who have since then, you know, taken that, that on. But that was really core to what we, we understood about consumers, that customer service side of it was equally as important as the really well-priced gear. They wanted to know about gear. They wanted people who knew about the gear to answer the phone, answer emails. And we'd get emails going, uh, I know you don't sell portaloos, but can you tell me about them? And you'd be like, okay, I'll do my best. You know what I mean? People would ask questions because they'd have had an email the week before going, tell me about two-man backpacking tents. And we would we'd, you know, let them know, oh, God, they, they don't know what they're talking about. And we just spent years in the industry and we just kind of knew that stuff. But it was nice that people then felt they could ask more questions. A, a lot of the gear that we originally did was either gear we needed ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect idea to set up So that, that was part of it. But it was, I mean, the website first opened in September 2004. Mm-hmm. All we had was t-shirts. It was a great way if they were low cost, we could test the website. And we yeah. kind of had this idea to do that until Christmas. But the brand was shouting like we were some multinational brand, you because know, we... Oh, right, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And, and then we slowly added to the product range. So we had carbon fiber walking poles, we had yeah. climbing shoes, we had the original pipe dreams. So re- kind of a real mixture of stuff. And some people didn't get it. You know, it's kind of like looking at a brand going, no brand's ever done that. That's not a textbook entrance into the market or anything like that. And it was all a bit, you know, all, I can see why people could see it was random. All we were thinking about is where we stand today, where someone can walk into a store and it's pretty much everything you need to mm. go and do most activities. So that was always the dream about how do we fill a website full of the stuff that people want to use in, in the outdoors. And it's, again, it's not just, you know, you know, mountain climbing or kayaking, or whatever. It's, it's everything. Yeah. Because I think that was the other change that probably happened throughout the 90s and certainly early 2000s, where they were just so focused on one activity mm. and saw themselves as, I like a bit of biking, I like a bit of climbing, I like a bit of walking, getting into yep. the outdoors. So that mixture of sports that people, people want to get involved in and, and, and do is so much more now. And there's a real mixture of what they do, but the common thread is, you know, you put them on a campsite and start talking about stuff, and they've really got that common love of the outdoors. Yeah. You know, they kind of, and I think that another thing that I think that, as much as we've seen the the kind of not professionalisation, but the kind of there's a, uh, athleticism probably within certainly with, with, within cycle and, and, yeah, and sure, bike packing, yeah. Yeah. and some amazing feats. You know, you, you, you just read it and go, how on earth have, are they doing what they do? You know, it's not just fitness; it's about mental strength and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. What I think is also nice is when you get talking to them, they still appreciate where they are. Mm. And I think that's nice that there's, as much as yeah, we've got some real athletes and are, and are pushing the sport in one way, they realise how important it is about the natural environment and, and kind of just being there. And I, I, I meet very few individuals that don't get it for what it, for mm. what it is. Yeah. There's still that core. There's still that core of them that goes. It's all about being in the outdoors. Yeah, the outdoors is the most important. Yeah, it's just getting out there, isn't it? And it's just facilitating that. And it doesn't matter whether you're actually doing it as a as a race or you're just pootling along like we do. Really, yeah. it's all about that enjoyment 
of being out there. And like Stu yeah. says, it's it's not coming home for your team. It's going out, playing out, yeah. and not coming absolutely, home. Absolutely. Don't yeah. the den in the woods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stay yeah. out all well, that. And Especially when you get to a, a certain age as well. It, it's all about, you know, just as my mother would say, doing daft things. Yes. Uh, but you're still playing. Yeah, yeah, If you're yeah, outside yeah. and you're enjoying nature, but yes. it's not, I'm going to go out for an hour and I'm coming back, that's all I've got. It's like, no, I'm going to go out and just enjoy myself and... That's obviously what the brand. I, I think we we had we had a young. I'll talk about products at some point. Yeah, that's fantastic. But it, we we, good. we had we had a young lad that started off in an animal side. His dad was a pretty good climber, mm. but I think he saw his dad as just an old person. Yeah. yeah early fifties, got to be the same age as me. It was over Christmas party thing, so we'd had a few drinks and stuff like that. So I started ranting a little bit and kind of saying, <laughs> well. I think the thing you forget is that I still think I'm in my early twenties. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so no matter what you think about me, my my attitude is still exactly the same thing. I still want to go out in the outdoors. I still want to laugh. So the body might might not be in quite the same shape, but the the mind bit just doesn't change. No, it doesn't. Having fun mm. and not taking it too seriously. Fine. Like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no, no these are great. It's, it's ah. good stuff. We like we like stuff like this. To be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> And especially, the, well, you're so right about saying your head doesn't change. I mean, you know, we're both stuck in our 20s still. You're not quite 50, are you? Not yet. quite. Not quite. No. I'm also the one covered in bruises, the chunk missing <laughs> at me neck from falling off my yeah. bike. Yeah, well, she's the one that does, does all the jumping. There's a lovely trail down through our woods, and uh, there's, there's a couple of jumps here and there that, that have been built by various people. Yeah. I think we've gone rattling down there. <laughs> See, two youths in the way of the jump line. So anyway, one move, popped over, nice. kissed it to the ground, yeah. uh, and you came past the, ne- the next thing, a couple of seconds later, and you said their mouths were just open, and, and yeah, they yeah. were like, oh, That's great, isn't it? I just, I just, just mean, it's the fun. It is yeah, the fun, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A dry trail, and just bombing down. Yeah. I'm unfortunate, as I come from a roadie background. So she still rides around like a roadie. Yeah. She can't go around corn. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I did a year as a professional mountain biker, <coughs> once. Long time ago, <laughs> when it was well, really, when it was re- early days, when there was nobody else doing it. Yeah. And uh, well, I say professional. I've got sponsored. That was it, really. And I was, I was okay, but I've become a lot older and a lot wider since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it's, it's the fact now. I just, we just ride for the fun of it. Every so often, the terrier comes out, there, doesn't it? But in my head, I am still twenty-five, yeah, yeah, and I can yeah, still yeah. do all the stuff yeah, I did when yeah, I was twenty-five. Yeah. Unfortunately, my body likes to complain a lot. It does, and, and it can it, it can catch you out. Bits of biking, bits of climbing, yeah. and stuff like that, and just general falling over and tumbles. Those things do they make you think a little bit more? Yeah. But once you've got momentum, drop your head on and you just keep going. And oh yeah, go yeah. I mean, I just do comedy falls. That's my speciality. I was telling somebody the other day that actually falling off and getting covered in mud is actually part of the fun of it. Yeah. As long as you don't hurt yourself too badly, which you touch wood we never have. But yes, it is actually, you go home absolutely covered in mud and going, nah, well, my mother told me I should give this up because I'm too old for it, but actually this is race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one the great thing about laminate flooring is it's quite easy to clean the mud off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that everything's covered in mud, but it's fun. And that's um, also part of the brand. It's all about having fun, isn't it? That's mm. the mentality within the kit, is that as much as we want to make you know, some of the best equipment in the world. You know, we've got a you know, really good heritage of making amazing gear that's really affordable. As much as it's about kind of getting out wild terrain and horrendous weather, the stuff's got to work if we can start smiling about that. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting, you know, when you, you were talking about the you know, plus sizes. 
and it was I had a really illuminating conversation with someone just before Christmas where they said you're kind of stopping me having fun and this was directed at the industry as a whole mm, yeah sure and I didn't yeah. really appreciate it but I really got what she was saying and saying well I can't have as much fun as you and I'm like well, that's ridiculous so but yeah, you're able just to get an off the peg yep. waterproof and basically go up the mountain knowing you have got the best equipment available i can't mm. it was like Ooh, okay and it was quite you know it's one of those moments where i've spent my lifetime in the outdoor industry sure. you realize what it's such a simple thing you know offering those sizes in a wide, wider range but we're not doing it as an industry yeah, it's, um, a, it, it's with it all like it's cycling as well. I mean, I've been in the cycle industry for 40 plus years, and um, yeah, it's always been a thing where extra large for a woman means a 14, which is very sizes and, and very off putting for a lot absolutely, of people. Absolutely, yeah, 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 um, yeah. And, and it's disappointing because cycling is available for everybody, yes, but there is this elitist look as well from, from other cyclists sometimes that. If you're a certain size, you shouldn't be wearing lycra, or yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be wearing uh, technical gear. Yes, you should be all wearing baggies and sort of like cover it all. What else am I going to wear? Yeah. I want to go yeah. for a bike ride, so I want yeah. a comfortable pad and I want yeah, a jacket yeah, that fits. Well, this yeah. is it. I mean, you know, I'm at that stage in my life now where my body's working against me as much as I don't want it to. So finding clothing that I'm comfortable in it can be a bit of a struggle. You but do I get very, very giddy about this size 18 balance jacket i did i did mainly yeah. because um you it, can it, get your boobs in it you know that's but it's unusual i always go into an outdoor shop and i'm always resigned to the fact that um, i'm going to have to buy a men's jacket yeah, because yeah, yeah. although they may sometimes do a women's cut and a slightly larger size they never really figure out that women are actually quite busty as well yes i was trying on the jacket so I'll, I'll just try the men's one on because that's what i'm gonna have to go for yeah so i was like well it's not that comfy but it fits it's okay then she gave me the woman's cut and i'm like this actually fits properly Good. it actually yeah. fits me in my arms i feel really comfortable it's long enough and i can zip it up without yeah. what more that. do you want from a jacket frankly yeah. but, but you don't get that in the outdoor industry yeah, i mean no, i yeah. own quite a lot of kicks i've been doing stuff for so long and to actually find a jacket off the peg that fits so comfortably and i can wear uh walking and i can wear riding as well and it's such a simple thing yeah that's yeah. that's what i'm again that's what with the kind of wake up call is that the additional sizes and yeah there is there's a there's a, a lot of complication you know in terms of how we do that and obviously we can't make one particular size that's then going to sit yeah. in everybody's shape but just the principle yeah. of offering other sizes and a larger size range is that simple. That yeah. isn't that complicated. And I think the, the other the learning for me is that we can't do it alone. We, no. we, can, we can have our size and shaping, but because we're all different size and shaping, it's actually important that we've got another 20 brands that are also doing the same thing. And then suddenly that problem is, is alleviated quite a lot because we've got more choice, because obviously people don't want to wear the same thing. We've got different takes on shape and body size, and so that's good because again, someone can outkit's not for me. It's going to be yeah. this brand, whatever. But it take it's, it's the collective action that's actually mm. the important bit. So we, we definitely see a place, and I think if we yeah. we definitely want to you know, increase the size range of both larger and, and smaller, mm. but it's also kind of a call out to the rest of the industry that we need to do something. So we we definitely see it's a really important step. Yeah, it's interesting because Shimano have just launched this uh, All Bodies campaign as well. Right. I don't know if you were aware of that. No. It's basically encompassing the fact that cycling is available to every shape and size. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting that the Alpkit are now doing this. And you, did you think it's something that the outdoor industry is now looking at? I think the difference is the reasons why. 
yeah, there's been a lot of work in the industry about inclusivity generally. Sure. You know, how can we look at gay community mm. and the just there's an element where through lockdown we were seeing seeing it slightly more diverse, mm. but that was not necessarily people who were really active then in in terms of active sport, whether that's biking or climbing and stuff. And there's been a real push to why that's happening. Mm. You know, what what are the barriers to do that? And we do a lot of work with the foundation. So for me, it's a real you get into a real understanding of that where you've got groups in Manchester where it's just not part of the culture. They don't get it. Whereas you know, for me, you know, you go to Scouts, you see a bit of camping, you kind of see it. You go to Wales, you go on a field course. You know, when you're a teenager, yeah. suddenly you're going, oh, I love this place. Mm. You get that exposure, yeah. but if you don't have that catalyst to happen, you basically you just don't know what you know. The outdoors is just something you get a day trip to pub in the countryside it's not it's not the it's not the not the same and i think the the outdoor industry and i think in the uk and europe and the, and the states have seen how we've actually got to take active steps sure. in making yeah making that happen we've got the same issue just in terms of uh, you know the team representative of the outdoor community somewhere south of the peak district but maybe not um, representative of UK population, so you know we have to, we know we have to make kind of active steps with with that. So you're having these conversations about inclusivity and you're making the making it more diverse and stuff. But you've got a really simple thing, just like the size of clothing, yeah. inhibiting people access to the outdoor, and that's access in terms of really being able to experience it. And you go, well, we can do something about that. So I think previously it's just been you know, a conversation, how can we increase the size range? Mm. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know, that's, that's a commercial yeah. decision to go, right, okay, we, we should do this, we're going to get X percentage of sales, and it's a commercial decision. Online has helped. If you put a size 18 into mm. a store and you've got 400 stores, that's 400 jackets, you might only sell 200. There's a complicated thing about actually how you, how you bring a commercial argument to that but when it's online it's just you just buy whatever you think you're going to sell so many that's actually very easy to manage so we, we don't necessarily we haven't seen that as a as a as a barrier as long as we can can make them but it's very different if thinking it that way than actually saying we are stopping people you know as a company that wants to promote you know yeah. go nice places do, do good not. things that's a genuine, that is like from our heart, you know, that is like we want people to do that. Mm. And if we're specifically excluding people because we just can't, we don't make equipment that fits them, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, because there's, <laughs> there's always been an argument in the cycle community that they don't go to the bigger sizes because there's no demand for it. That, that's always the commercial Absolutely, argument. Absolutely, yeah. But there is a demand for it. Yes. It's just that people are excluded from it and so they disappear into the background. The, the real hard, the hard balance is when... Obviously, when we've got companies like Fat Lads at the back, yes. they've really been able to <laughs> promote that and say, we, we want that. Um, and obviously, they can, it's very clear for them to kind of get their, you know, get their audience, as it were, and go, right, okay, that's, that's what about. I, I think sometimes it's just harder to find our space about why we're doing it, how do we promote it, all that kind of stuff. It, it hasn't come natural to us. No. But for me, the, that, that bit when I, when I realised that we're specifically excluding people having fun, like the commercial argument is much more, you know, it, it's almost that's a, we'll, we'll solve that, we'll get there. So it's been, it's been kind of balancing those two things about how we as a company 
what we do within you know the, the outdoor community we need to kind of yeah we need to kind of stand up and say right we're, we're going to do we're going to do that and it's that real balance between the kind of commercial bit which is us to solve and just realizing that we've got loads of people who just want you know outdoor gear that fits it's kind of a, a tangible thing we know we've, we've got everything we need to do to be able to do that whereas before it was probably a bit you're looking at a spreadsheet and going mm. can we get oh i'm not sure if we can do that whereas now we, we see it as a very specific thing we have to address and, and that's why we went public essentially is because mm. you get held to account yes you know we've kind of we've said we're going to do it okay we've got to do it now <laughs> yeah. which is a good thing you know that's yeah. that's you know that's yeah. why we publish a sustainability report we get it in the neck all the time you know the number of emails where people say well you said this and blah, 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 and what kind of like you go yeah. oh no but that's the headache we have to have sure you know it forces us to take action because we publish things and we say we're going to do it and this is the movement we, we make. Well, there's so we, always going to be somebody who notices when you when you don't do that. Absolutely. There, there yeah, is yeah, yeah, going to be yeah. that questioning yeah. back to you. Which yeah. I suppose makes your arguments have to be robust enough in the we can't, we can't we can't make excuses. No. You know, we, we have you know we we kind of if we're if we're serious about sustainability, if we're serious about inclusivity, there's no point saying it and going, We're serious. And do yeah, that yeah, yeah. 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 well, what are you doing about it? Yeah, because um, yeah, I could guess there's some people that just look like jumping onto a bandwagon until the next thing comes along. So unless you're yeah, yeah. yeah, and we, 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 I think one, what probably one, one of the biggest arguments about Outkit is that we weren't that sustainable. We didn't shout about what we did. I think quietly in the background we had, you know, high ethical standards with battery. We chose materials carefully. We always wanted to make it last longer one of the things we did was not just make it last longer but people love longer which is a really subtle thing but yeah. by, by making people wear it for longer day in day out you know you talked about the balance earlier yeah. i'm hoping because you kind of you you love it that little bit more you wear it more as far as we're concerned that's well, dropped well for me now i've got one coat that yeah. i go out for a walk it was in my rucksack yesterday in case i yeah. needed it well, it's been out on the trails and I'm quite glad I didn't fall off in mine. I wasn't wearing mine when I fell off. No, you would not necessarily, uh, you know, check how robust it is. I'd have to be sending it off to the repair station. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mendo, thanks yeah. for the jacket. Can yeah. you mend it? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the other nice things we like about Outkit is the fact that you do offer quite a lot of repairs as well, don't you? Yes. It comes really natural yeah. because I think that's, you know, stuff in mind. I just, you know, you want to repair stuff, you've got something. It's really. Um, I kind of see mates who have like gear and they go, oh, it's broken. I'm like, I'm pretty sure a bar tech will fix that. Yeah, you know, we've got machines you can fix it. Obviously, we've got them in store. Lots of things are actually really simple to fix. And so, if you have the know-how, because I look yeah. at stuff and I go, well, there's no no way. I don't yeah, yeah. need sewing machines. I can't cope with it. Yeah. Whereas I do. Yes. You know, yeah. if I can go to somebody, this is happening with my jacket. Can you fix it? Yeah. That's yeah. a really useful thing for that to exist. Yeah. And, yeah. and and where you do it by post as well as getting yes. it in in store as yeah. well. And, and that kind of fits into that whole well, sustainability. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say yeah. And just mending things and, and trying to get away from that. Oh, I've broken it. I'll throw it yeah, away. Yeah. We get extreme versions of that where obviously people go out on rides and their first ride they get a puncture mm. and they ring us up and go, Oh, it's got a puncture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you kind of have to say, Yeah, it's got yeah. a puncture. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, but something we've got a new, you know, this year there's been a lot of new people that have then come into cycling and outdoors and things. Yeah. Hasn't maybe got the sort of same level of a 
expectation or experience of the outdoors and gone, yeah, that's just a thing. But again, that's kind of like where a little bit of education, a bit of kind of saying, well, that's just, but you can repair it, that's okay, it, it happens. You know, we get it on jacket, you know, someone will do it on the first day and they'll rip it, it can happen. It could have, day one, it could have been day 500. Yeah. It kind of happens. And I think we're, again, we're experienced enough to be able to say to people, that's just as it is. We don't want that kind of culture where suddenly it's like, yep, we offer you a refund straight away. We're here to solve problems and we'll, you know, if anyone's got a problem with their gear, we'll, we'll make it and fix it. And I think it is nice when, uh, when people understand we're not trying to avoid our responsibilities to provide good gear. We want to, we want to do that. But if we're looking at kind of sustainability and you know, repairs and stuff like that, people have to accept that as a, as a means to kind of get it back in, into use, as it were. And then some, you know, sometimes it's a bit hard where people just go, I know my rights. And it's, and it's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll go and say, well, yeah, no problem, we'll sort it. But when you kind of explain to people to say, well, I can put a patch on it and it'll be good as new. Literally, you'll hardly know it's there. And it just saves us having to sort out you know, another one. Okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah. You know, and, that and that's kind of nice. That people, you know, a lot of people do understand that if they've got their gear and we can, you know, we can repair it, we can extend that lifetime, that, yeah, that's a big, a big thing. You know, I think more, more, more and more people realise that the, a lot of the kind of impact that a garment has is in its use stage. Mm. You know, the number of times that we're washing items and if we can kind of extend that life span of the, of the garment, it reduces that impact quite a lot. Again, it's nice when people get it, they realise, okay, I'll, just, yeah, I'll use it for one year longer, and that redu- actually reduces the impact of the garment as a whole. People, people really get that. It's just education though, isn't it? Yes. Because unfortunately, again, society is it's a sense of entitlement for a lot of things. But there is slowly, I'm guessing you're noticing a lot more people now are getting more conscious about um, climate change and sustainability and reusing things. But I guess it's an uphill battle sometimes. It is. It's one we'll keep fighting, so we won't, we won't, we won't give up. We won't shy away from having a, a proper conversation with someone. And I think that's important. But we're not, we're not here to cause trouble. We don't want to be obstructive or anything like that. We'll do whatever we need to do to sort out. But if all it takes is to say, look, we can just you know, do a simple repair, super quick. You don't have to wait for it. It's on. It's not going to charge you anything. And if there's any problem with it, well, we can sort something out later. Yeah. People get that. It's only because I think they've dealt with retailers in the past where they've gone, no, can't do anything. Yeah. And they've been very obstructive. Well, that's all we can do. We're just here to help. I was, I, I was musing yesterday, because I, I said to my wife, oh, we'll go down to Alkin, and we've had a reasonable chunk of gear over here. And we were talking about the titanium sandbags we got when we got married. Now, this was in 2000. Can you remember when you got married? No, I can never count. It was 2005, <laughs> 2006, so quite early on in Alkin's okay. days. Yeah, yeah. And I said to the girls in the shop where I was working, they said, oh, you know, can we get you some, yeah, we'd really like some titanium pegs." And I'd gone and said, Okay, right, where are we going to get them? I'll get them from, from Outkit. For some reason, they're out of stock. So the lasso I've been working with, she, she said, well, you know, what can we do? And they went, no, 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 that's fine. We'll, we'll find what we've got. And somebody took them up to York and posted them through a letterbox with a nice little handwritten note and said, oh, it's a special occasion. Here you are, you know, have some titanium tempegs for a wedding. We think it's really cool. But I <laughs> just think... What an utterly, in some ways, utterly bonkers, non-commercial decision that is. Yeah. And yet, years later, I can still remember the story. 
We've done a few things. So one, one I remember where someone was having a wedding and they said we need some down jackets. So we said, well, how about white down jackets? We'll get them for your wedding. So we made two custom white jackets. Wow. For them to use to go to the Ice Hotel in Sweden, and they sent us a lovely photo with the two of them in down jackets. I guess that comes from is we've we've all experienced great service, and those things make you feel special and do make you remember. So partly it's commercial, because mm. partly it is because you, you remembered it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in, in that bit, it, it worked. But you don't think that when you're doing it. No. You kind of you don't kind of you're not in your mind thinking, well, if we do this, yeah. then this is the commercial return we'll get from from. You talk about social media and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. And that and that was pre-social. You know, yeah, that was like a photo on the website. It wasn't there's yeah. no Instagram or TikTok <laughs> kind of followers with with that. The bit the big one when we first started, we had these handwritten notes. Hi Jeanette, thank you very much for the order. I really hope your boulder mat is amazing. Uh, you know, have a great weekend, da, 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 Colin. If you've got eight orders a day, you can do that. And then it, get, it gets a little bit shorter. Hi, that's the order. We still do that handwritten note. You know, you can imagine, I mean, we are now 40 times bigger. I don't know the number. So we write thousands yeah. of handwritten notes every week. You know, if you walked into any pretty decent sized brands now and said, I've got an amazing idea. We're going to send out a handwritten note with every single order. You'd have the board there going, you are nuts. <laughs> no, we're you not are, doing that. You are no. absolutely not. That's not, how can you do that? We still ask ourselves that question because, you know, literally we, we, we haven't got a full time someone that writes notes, but it's a commitment. Maybe, I don't know, 3,000 3, handwritten notes or, or so. You know, every day, every day, every week, every month of the year. So there's a lot of lots of handwritten, handwritten notes, and we still ask ourselves that. You know, it is a, it is a question. We are we sure? Because we're not getting any smaller. You know, we, the, the, the intention is to grow the company, sure. but the intention is also to. So that's a commitment that we're making. But when you get a comment back, you can't not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, literally, when people say, "I've got a handwritten note," that's incredible, and I think. Again, sometimes they don't realise the scale because there's an element where they go, oh, look, we have no, they must be like this tiny little company or whatever, <laughs> and, and, and we're not. Hopefully that shows the commitment we're making to customer mm-hmm. service because it is, that's a core part of what we do. And if we, we're just, all we're doing is acknowledging a little thank you to every order. You know, I mean, every, every order counts, but it is bonkers. We like bonkers, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you about the bikepacking range that you came up with. Because you were so early with yeah. that. Yes. That was you way were... before it was trendy. Yeah, and I think I did my first Welsh ride thing in 2014. Yeah. So it's all Stu's fault, obviously. So some of my gears dates back to then, but that was way before, you know, that everybody does. All the yes. big brands are now doing kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So why were you so early? Was that one person wanting, I want to go tour and I want some kit on? How we turned bags attached to bikes mm. into the, the kind of commercial world and, and bike packing. Very, very early on in kind of outkits, you know, kind of the, the sort of early 2000s, we were doing a few of the Polaris's. So mm-hmm. in terms of carrying a kit on a bike, that was already starting. And it, it's kind of weird how almost the Polaris sort of then died, almost, yeah. almost as the kind of commercial bit of bike packing starting, kind of weird almost that yeah. choreography. So there's an element where that was really on our radar, how we saw lightweight equipment mm. suited for backpacking 
was absolutely applicable for carrying on a bike, mm. reducing the weight, you know, increasing maneuverability, all that kind of stuff. And we got, so we made that connection, I think, pretty early on. Mm. Yeah, we had a strong, a strong connection with some of our athletes. So two in particular, John Ross, Shaggy, and yeah. then Paul Errington, yeah, who <laughs> really, you've got, you've, this is this bit where I was talking about earlier about this kind of, you really see the athlete come out and all you're trying to do is solve a problem. So you, someone comes to you and says, this is what I'm going to go and do. How can you help? And yeah, ultimately, we, yeah, we are very design focused. We're designers that we just love that kind of problem. So definitely Shaggy coming to us and saying, I'm going to do the Adisitrod. Yeah. What can you do? Can you make these bags? There's a couple of American companies that make this sort of stuff. This is sort of what it looks like. Can you help? We've got material, we've got a sewing machine, we've got the design know how to be able to do that. Yeah. No problem, we can, we can make you a bag. So Shaggy was definitely the kind of the, the first one where it was definitely, I'm going to do this, what can we, you know, what can we do? And, and also we were doing kind of our, our spin on things and kind of the knowledge. So one, one of the things where a lot of you know, ultra-light backpackers, ones where they're looking at five kilo weight for their backpack to go and do, Pacific Coast Trail or something like that. Yeah, they're really kind of focused on that. Should be pounds, shouldn't it, in America? Yeah. <laughs> so they're very focused on you know total pack weight, but they've often got a very big bag. Mm. So, but what they're actually doing is they're keeping the sleeping bag lofted up. So if you can imagine taking a an 800 gram sleeping bag, compressing it to the smallest size so it fits in a tiny bag, you take it out. Your actual kind of weight. Performance has just been compromised because you're stuffed in a bag mm. all day. Mm. So they work on the principle: take a larger bag, keep the bag lofted. Lofted, they can have a warmer bag for the weight of the sleeping mm. bag. You're thinking, well, I like that. Mm. So then that, you know, so there's pictures of Shaggy where he's got this massive bag on his on his yeah. front, and that was the same principle. How can we give him a sleeping bag lofted? Don't compress it because you're going to literally going to. So in the racing, essentially, he's literally going to get off his bike, yeah. bivy bag inside, maybe an hour's kit back in. There's no time to warm the bag up, let, let it loft up naturally. Yeah. So we know this stuff. This is what you need to do, Shaggy. He's like, oh, well, it's a big bag. It doesn't weigh more. It makes no alteration to, yeah. the, to what he wanted the bag to do. But that, so that was really nice, how we can stuff that we've learned as outdoor designers <laughs> and then, uh, then applying it to the bike, you know, bike packing. So that, those were kind of just the sort of neural network things that started. So again, it was just, there were projects though. They weren't, we weren't then turning it into yeah. part of the business as it were. The work with Paul Errington, you know, again, he was doing more events, we were supporting him more and different bands. Yeah, you know, it's just bags we've made out of scraps and, and, and things. But we were then suddenly going, can you make me a bag? Mm. Can you make me another bag? And obviously the, the biggest difference in terms of when you're making a frame bag, obviously it's custom made, has to be for the, you know, for the for the triangle. That was a real problem then when people were ordering it from the States. You know, at that point, yeah, they were trying to order it from Revelator. Yeah, they were waiting three months for it and people didn't want to do that. And we were then saying, well, we've got sewing machines, we're not, we can buy some more sewing machines, that's okay. We know the materials to do that, we've been used to them in pack design, you know, so the dimension poly end, so that, that kind of gridded fabric, really popular. We can buy some of that that's okay and almost by not by accident mm. but we suddenly found ourselves with well, we can make frame bags we can do some stem cells and things like that other bags what do we need to do what do people want to buy what are the problems they're having at the moment i think we 
it, we just sort of fell into it. It felt very natural. And I think we've always made that connection with outdoors and biking. Mm. That again was a kind of quite a natural space for us. And I think it, what's really weird is so many companies, it's like a firewall between yeah. the outdoors and the bike industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're the same people. Yeah. But suddenly it's like, well, no, this today I'm going into the outdoors. Tomorrow I'm going on my road yeah. bike and I'm going to wear black lycra. Yes. And it was, it's, it felt a very kind of separate world. And for us, it was just, we're going to do a bit of mountain biking, we'll do a bit of gravel, you know, whatever. That, it just, it was it's all, all the same stuff. So I think it was it was definitely a push from Paul and John to see what that was about, and you know you see it at the kind of competitive end, yeah. but instantly you're able to translate that into people can travel mm. you know further and do harder terrain using their bike. I suppose it's set almost at the same time. You know this was probably two, 2010 and that kind of stuff. That's probably the similar time that Stuart was just kind of starting. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I can remember going to some of the early bare bones where you just, it was nice to see the competitive thing, but it's just nice to see 100 people in the field just going to go off and do stuff. Yeah. And that, again, that was it. It just felt absolutely part of an outkit ethos that people were just going and enjoying themselves. And we'd already, you know, suddenly we were also finding ourselves got titanium cutlery, we've got like tent, we've got bivy bags. It, it wasn't just the bike luggage that was being bought, it was everything. Yeah. So suddenly you've just got more, you know, the, the interest that you're getting is, I'm going on a bikepacking trip, I need such and such. So that then just spurs you along to go, well, we need a different type of bag. One of my favourite products was just the tapered airlock. So it's like the, mm-hmm. it's the simplest bag that we do. Yeah. But a lot of people would still find backpacking, you know, the cost, the initial cost of going by a full set from the States. Yeah. Who could afford uh, yeah, that? Yeah, no, no, nobody. Yeah. But to, to buy a custom frame bag, which might cost you 60 quid, an airlock on the front, so you know, sleeping bag mm. and stuff, and a tapered airlock on the back. That's it. Pretty simple backpacking setup, 80 quid, and, and you're away. And again, that, again, that's part of our, how do we make it simpler? Mm. There's, a, there's a, a market for that super complicated stuff. Beautifully made, you know, really kind of like that. But there's also a bit of trying to keep things simpler, keep mm-hmm. thinking yeah, lighter. I can say for the majority of people, though, getting into bikepacking, because it is the trendy thing to do now, your gear that you provide is perfect, because you say it's simple, mm-hmm. it does I the job. Still, I still use an airlock, and I love the fact that yeah. it's double-ended, yes, yeah, so you can yeah. unpack from both ends. Yeah, 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 or yeah. what I need is at the other end yeah. of this, so yeah. I'll, just, I'll just unclip it. No, it's, it's, it's perfect it's, for, I mean, because I'm fully outkipped out as well. Strangely, <laughs> sort of took me to the shop, right? Buy all this. Yeah. Okay. But it's brilliant because you know yeah, it's it's it does what it yeah. says, yeah. and it's uh, it's perfect yeah. for uh, going places and having great fun. Yeah. It's like where you wouldn't necessarily think you're going to go. So. And we've, and, and we've always tried, even even though it's simple, doesn't mean it's kind of unsophisticated. Yeah. You know no, I mean? There's there's an, an element we we still yeah. try to like design stuff into yeah. it, even though the bag's hopefully the right width. Yeah. Like I say, double-ended, it's really simple stuff to do, yeah. but makes it applicable. And I mean, one of, one of the things was, it, it's really easy, certainly bag design and rucksack design, to just have weight. It's amazing how you can, you can take quite a simple bag, yeah. and suddenly you go, it weighs a kilo. Yeah. It could weigh half of that. Yeah. So we take great pleasure in trying to make things as simple and, and as light as possible. So a couple of the bare bones, 
Stuart does that kind of the competition for the lightest bike. Yes. yes. Now you've got some very serious people there. You really, really yeah. do. Wow. I've won it twice. Good no. Man. I might be the only person who's ever won it twice. No. I think, John, I think John Clymer has a good go. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Basically, everyone was switching to 29er yeah. at that point. I still, had, I still had a rigid carbon fork 26er. Bike, you'd bike to light straight away, even though it's yeah. steel. Everything got a little bit bigger yeah. because obviously they're super serious. You know, they're doing big rides, tour divide, kind of stuff like that. I, I get that, but my bike was lighter, so that's good. Obviously, I can, I can, I've got a lot of resources available, <laughs> <laughs> so I can kind of, I can, I can, I can hopefully use that. But a little bit of knowledge, but it, th- things like triangle back. Most times we basically we bind it because it's really neat and it makes it you know get rid of the seams. It's stronger. Get rid of binding. Like 100 grams you might say so suddenly i was just trying to take apart everything that i could in terms of making it lighter now i know i knew because everyone's buying it off the shelf and they can't say to epic make mine 300 grams but i was literally going i've got to make this try 250 grams I'm like what's the lightest zip i can use and i can't remember who it was it just on the tour divide aaron is it aaron i can't remember who it, it, it just it, it could he was either going to do the tour divide or whatever and it was like you looked at his bike and it was yeah rigid 29er it was mint i mean every part of it was you went that's a lovely bike mm. and he put his on the scale and it was something like 34 pounds or something like that it's like that's pretty light and i wasn't really expect i didn't really know yeah i kind of I, all i knew is i just knew my bike was light i kind of put it on it was like 32 and it was just daggers you know what i mean because you just and, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it went that because it was a bit of a hodgepodge <laughs> but it was it was the thing was that it got, hopefully the design thinking was quite pure because it's basically i knew that the bags themselves yeah. away to make the bags as light as possible then get rid of all the stuff if you've got smaller bags you don't can't put as much in yeah. so and everyone else was doing that but everything was basically how can i make it as just as light as possible you know like the bivy bags we've got we had a sample that was made out of material that was probably a third of two-thirds of the weight of something else Let's just do that. It wasn't commercial because mm-hmm. it's really good. We now do the cloak goodie, you know, yeah. super lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, yeah, this was like a you know, sample and stuff like that. But it was all it all it was was just we understood what it meant to be a bike packer. That you know, that weight, the you yeah. know, the pack size, the ability to think, take all the stuff that was learning from you know, like when you get onto uh, backpackinglight.com, you know, for the ultra lightweight um, hikers, it's a great source of information. And they're just as geeky. God, they weigh everything. You know, yeah. every every yeah. you know, if they've got a repair kit, they're measuring the type of needle that weighs, you know, the least amount and stuff like that. Yeah. And when you just do exactly the same methodology and then you come into then you've like you suddenly got a lighter bike. But what I loved was the fact, you know, I, I didn't really bother about the look or whatever. It was just light. And the, the look on their face is like that, that. Yeah, because it was a stock steel frame, nothing, nothing special. Mm. But we put like XGR bits on it and a carbon fork and stuff. So it was, it was light. I mean, it's really nice to kind of handle around. Yeah. But it wasn't to win the competition. It just make my life easier sure? riding it. Yeah, you sure it wasn't to win the competition. So you won it twice. You won oh, sec- sec- second time was definitely yeah. more competitive. <laughs> I hope Stuart gave you loads of abuse for that. Uh, no, he just gave me poor pipe <laughs> <laughs> to carry around. Ooh. I didn't know you got a pork pie. You did. Oh, no, no, no. We weren't allowed, to, weren't allowed to eat it. Ah, so you had the to carry it. You, get, you had to carry it around. Yeah. Oh, he's a sneaky bugger, <laughs> isn't he? Eh? Yeah, well, you've got to 
of my Stuart's cunning. He is very cunning. He is mm. definitely yeah. cunning. Yeah. yeah. So was it a natural progression then go into the cycle industry because it is quite a difficult industry. About six years ago, David Hanning joined us as CEO um, and came in as, as one of the shareholders. And he was very much a kind of driving force because his experience in the bike industry w- was big and we've mm. since then taken on very experienced people who have great knowledge. So when we started Sondra a few years ago, we didn't want anyone to be head to toe in outkit and then get on the bike and it just felt a bit, felt a bit much. And we also wanted it to have its own personality because it was just, there is a bit of a difference with the bike rather than just another yet another thing with with without kit wasn't it just a case of like you fancy the bike so you just make your own there's there's, there's an element to that but <laughs> i think it was it again probably with a similar ethos with without kit that we wanted really good bikes no nonsense there's certain things we didn't like about other brat where they that you know shimano and Bram would make a perfect group set with mm. everything matched and everyone would just take one part and then say it's mm. and you're kind of like wow oh, God, how can they do that so we, we, had, we wanted that kind of purity of, of stuff, there's no nonsense, quality frames, mm. you know, the, the actual frame design, Neil does an incredible job yeah. with, the, with everything and the breadth of what we do as well, you know, he's got his own jump bike yeah. and then we're going to, you know, tandems and stuff, so again, that, that breadth of stuff and although I, I bike a lot and that's my, you know, that's my sport now, I think, I'm not, I've never been a nerd. So as soon as people are talking about gear ratios and head angles and all that kind of stuff, I understand it. I'm not that bothered. Yeah. You know, kind of, it's not, it's not a thing for me. It's definitely about getting on and, and having fun. What's been nice is that we've got nerds in the building. Yeah, you know, we we we've got people. We've got one here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that know they know their stuff. They can they can you know they absolutely know the technicalities of building world class bikes. I know. 50% of people want that, you know, they've spent a lifetime on bikes, they need the confidence that we've got, you know, we know our stuff, and we can go full nerd, mm. yeah, we can talk yeah. about that all day, it's not a problem. But there's an awful lot of people that just are wanting to get to biking, mm. and they get a bit lost. And it can be a bit intimidating yeah, sometimes. So, yeah, my, my thing is always about having fun. Mm. Yeah, what, what do you want the bike to do? And they're like, oh, I want to do this, this, that. Do you want to smile? You know, do, you want, do you want to kind of actually yeah. get out and come back and go, oh my God, that was amazing. And I think it's been really nice that we've got that. And that was the kind of the seismic shift into really getting into, into bikes because we just saw the, what I think, what felt as a very natural connection between outdoors and biking. We were, at that point, we hadn't actually been on bikes. Mm-hmm. But certainly when there was a bit of a you know, drive to that, we, we can do this. We've got all the knowledge and expertise to do that. It's exactly the same thinking that we had when we started our kit. We've got the knowledge and expertise to do it, let's do it. Exactly the same thing was happening with Sonda where we realised that you know we had everything to develop a really great bike range. And again, not to be too focused on anything. If you're focusing on one part of the, the bike market, mm. I think you lose you know, biking as a whole. You, you lose where people have got different bikes in the garage. Yeah. There's an awful lot of the bike We've got that experience. You know, we've, we've got people that work who are definitely roadies. Mm. They've got mountain bikers, yeah. they go mountain biking. And so we definitely wanted the brand to be that. So the, the Zonda you know, tagline is, yeah, everyone's got their own story. Yeah. And again, and I, I think it was nice because that again makes it less elitist. Sure. Because whatever whatever we have, you know, and in fact you were talking earlier about being a pro mountain biker. Kind of like, it's amazing, you know, and it's so easy. You wouldn't know now. 
You wouldn't know now. But, but it's none of those skills. I think I, 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 when we were talking about it, it's it's. Again, it's just that when I was talking about earlier about the guy from, um, from Ambleside, mm. it's so easy to forget that some of us have lived that life. You know, we've got a lot of experience with that. And whatever we are now, it's still what we do mm. and, you know, and, and enjoy. And I think that's, again, what we kind of wanted, you know, we're making sure that if people are coming into the shop, it's what they're going to do on that bike. Mm. And what, yeah, that, that's the most important. And hopefully we've got all the bikes to be able to do that. So we started off with the transmitter, Broken Road and the Camino, and I think that very clearly sort of said, you know, we are serious about mountain biking, we're serious about bike packing and that kind of off-road touring bit, and the Camino, that space between, you know, what gravel really hadn't kind of taken, you know, that yeah. word was just, yeah. you know, it was more, more of an American thing, but actually it's loads of trails in the UK. Mm, for it, yeah. Um, most of them. Most absolutely, it is. It is. It, I mean, it depends on your your level yes. of riding, yeah. what you're comfortable with. Yeah. But if you've got that bike that can do a bit of this, Absol- a bit of absolutely. that, yeah, yeah, take it. So we, we, it was definitely kind of like almost like you know, pegged out at the beginning to say this is the sort of brand that we want. You know, and it's so nice when you get you know kind of stories back, and we've got, you know obviously we got a lot of um, input from customers, even though when they're buying the bike. They're very serious about what goes into making it, you know, in terms of the specification and things like that. Anything that we ever get back of a customer is all about you've enabled me to do this yeah. and talk about the kind of the experience they've got that. And that's again, it's just that that's so nice to get that feedback that people can can do that. And we've uh, we've had a, a couple of examples where again it's really nice that people are just straight on their bikes. So we had yeah. one where a guy from Norway had flown over, picked the bike up, gear on, riding, riding off. We had a guy, a guy in lockdown who was essentially, he couldn't get back, he was going to fly back to Spain or something like that. Right. So he actually bought a bike. We made the luggage. I think it was something was, was, he came in for like a couple of days and at the same time he was buying a bike, we were making luggage for him. <laughs> <laughs> to get on his bike for it and then back to ride back to Spain. We just rode back to Spain. Um, and we've recently <laughs> had a guy who, because France, France went into lockdown, mm. couldn't go, he couldn't drive back to Spain mm. and he didn't want to get the ferry with his car. I can't remember what the scenario mm. was, or he couldn't catch a um, train or something like that. So he then basically bought a bike and he then got, went to Plymouth, rode down to Plymouth and then went to Santander. So it was like straight on the journey. But like the bike was such a, Principal part of solving the problem. Yeah. yeah. And that, again, it's just that's just amazing when they kind of like they, they see that. But it's yeah. yeah, they're all fun. Yeah, that's that again. I, I like being in store when people, you know, if I'm in the store and people ask me questions, I'm kind of like I'm lost. Do you want fun? That's the bike. Yeah. <laughs> so who uh, who came up with the name Sonder? That's obviously from a book, the uh, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. It is. It, it was me. Was it you? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think it was just it, it it just touched that nerve again. Yeah. It was that they kind of God. You could go. It's like psychological isn't it, when you start talking <laughs> about brand names and what they mean. We were trying to get something which just that kind of that story element. The fact that yeah. you know, everybody's got something to say, yeah. and when you see you see someone on a bike or you see just someone traveling around it so sometimes you're just you're in the, it's, it's all about you you know it's like da, da, da. but as soon as you can make that connection to go but what about them mm. what are they you know what are they doing you and again this when you're looking at people and you're going are they having as much fun as me 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And you kind of realise they probably are. Maybe they're even having more fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's when, you know, again, it's sort, sort of, so taking away from that elitism, yeah. you know, when you kind of look at, you know, some of the names of some of the bike brands, yes. and I won't name them, but you kind of, you know, they, you, you're there and you're thinking, they're setting themselves, the whole brand is all about performance mm. and this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to be like mega, and whatever, but as soon as you kind of realise that all we want to do, all we want people is to have great experience yeah. on the bike, yeah. Yeah, it fun. felt meaningful. I mean, it's not supposed to be too complicated, so I mean, there is, there is a meaning to it. There is, yeah. <laughs> um, but that, I think that's only part of it. It's yeah, more yeah. about, we didn't then make bikes from people to a neighbour. The Camino, yeah. the journeys that people take them on, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you get, you get that feedback and you realise what a difference making a great bike is such yeah. a capable mm. bike can just do so many things and it's really weird you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't do what it does but it, it really does you know people get it and go oh my god you've just you've just changed my life and like i think it's like Stuart, yeah. Stuart, Stuart underlined it didn't he when he said it's about the journey not about the destination yes yeah yeah absolutely yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which is quite uh, which is quite yeah. Well, if you remember as well, when we um, offered a fig roll for that old chap who was looking at an osprey. Well, um, we think it was an osprey, it could have been a sparrow. Um, but he had his, he had his monocular out, this yeah. is in Hatham Forest, and we, we just got chatting to him. But our bikes were there, and then obviously loaded up, and he said, oh, you know, what are you doing? Bitter touring, oh, lovely. And he's instantly, you can see him transported back to his youth when he, that's what yeah, he yeah, used to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And he said, all oh, right, if, you know, if we have more time, we'll stand here looking at Osprey's sherry fig rolls and chatting about where he went. It yeah. was called touring back in his day. Yeah, you think, yeah, yeah, back in the days when he had really shit brakes and he put a heavy weight on a bike and, yeah. and it was actually mildly terrifying. Yeah. So yeah, you get that reminiscence from people you've never spoken to before and you mm. just get that little glint in their eye and you think yeah. oh you've done this haven't you yeah, yeah, you've yeah, been yeah, there absolutely. well we've all done it i mean yeah. i've been i've been bike packing when i was younger but we called it touring back then yeah. i had panniers yeah. on the back of my bike yes. and pushing it up to an obscure um, youth hostel that had no road yeah but at the time it's what you did you didn't know it was anything different or anything um, sort of like trendy so what's next oh what's next oh you caught me out there yeah <laughs> we want more we want more this isn't enough <laughs> We've got the bikes and the kit to go out. What next? There must be something in the pipeline, obviously, because a company like yourself, which is growing, yeah, <laughs> it's always there's always got to be things that you're looking at to thinking, you know, maybe we'll, or think into things that you're now interested in as you've got a little bit older in life. So well, that was a bit harsh. Well, no, it's true. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 I've yeah. gone away from time trialing and now I'm mountain biking gently with bags on the front of my bike. I guess what I guess what's immediately new is that we have got a new range of bikepacking stuff coming Ooh. within the next Tell us more. weeks. <laughs> so we've looked at the ways of fixing and also as, as kind of riding changed a little bit. So one, let, let's say, so a good example would be we've got lots of bags attached to a bike but the reality is you want to nip into the shop. Mm. I've got this you know, cockpit bag that essentially has got my stuff in how can I make that really easy to detach and then go into the store and then put it back? How can I make the seat pack at the back, again, the kind of harness system has been used quite a lot. The, so we've not, we've not had a harness system before, really. That's kind of like heavy duty with the um, exo rail, mm. yeah. you know, kind of sort of anti-sway. Again, we'll look closer than that and also how we can adapt to different sizes as well. So people doing different trips 
So it's not necessarily just one size and then it doesn't work for, for another size bag inside. How can we increase the adaptability of that kind of harness system? Then we've got a, later in the year, we've got a newer range of waterproof bags. So again, with sustainability, generally in terms of as we're developing gear, we're looking at the materials have such an impact. So we're making sure that the materials that we're putting in have this least impact as well which is the very unglamorous part of product design because nobody knows you've ever done anything. <laughs> and you know, even with the company, it's like, what have you done? Because you've just turned a black bag into another black bag. But there's a lot of hard work in how we apply the, the, you know, the impact of the material and we reduce that, which can, it can also be hard work to actually do this kind of material analysis and stuff like that. And people don't generally want to know about it because it's a bit, again, a bit, bit nerdy. But it's an important part of, mm-hmm. as a company, as we look at the sustainability angle, that, that you know the choice of materials that we put in is is super important. So yeah, a few a few new bikepacking bits. Right now we've got the aeronaut tents. I don't know whether you've seen mm, those. Just, yes. So I'll again, probably say yes because I have. You, I must read their marketing blurb more. Well, you look you. at the tent more than I do. Okay. Yeah. So again, definitely look at the bikepacking market in terms of what it is. They're still lightweight you know, tents. One of the particular issues with bikepacking is obviously the pole, and people want to put them in the right place. Now, inflatable tents are not new. There's quite a lot of brands, but the lighter weight tents are less new and more challenging because. Most inflatable tents basically have an inner bladder, and when it's heavy duty and thick and the valve size, then it's kind of easy, not easy, but easier to do. As soon as you make things smaller and lighter, you can't have a bladder that suddenly weighs 500 grams when you want the tent to weigh under a kilo. So it's then how do you make the material as light as possible without making it fragile? It's the same with those Swiss-made inner tubes came. Yeah. Yeah. They were so light. There's a line really mm. very narrow between super lightweight and useful one ride, or actually is it? It's light, but it's okay. And they're really hard things, and, and every you know, every ride is going to have a different take on that. And obviously, as, a, you know, as, a, as designers, it's really tricky to kind of like we need to pare it down. You know, we need to get it as light as possible, but we can't cross that threshold when it then becomes unusable. But the real advantage with with that is essentially you're able to compress that pole to whatever shape you want. So normally they're held within the actual yeah, the outer of the tent, but suddenly it's a block of material rather than a pole length, which that might mm. be restricted. And particularly if geometry has changed or people just how they want to load on the bike, that's going to offer a lot more choice. And the one thing we're always careful about our tents that we we always talk about like livable space. So these are tents that you need to, you're going to spend time in it. Mm. Yeah, we've all spent time in it, zip it up, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a nylon coffin yeah. now, and I need a wee, and I need to get out. And, and oh. things like, you know, where you know, the angle of the fly sheet comes, it's touching your toes, which mm. automatically means you've got wet bottom and sleeping bag, the condensation's so hot. I mean, everyone thinks it's a miracle. Oh, we can just get rid of it, but if you haven't got airflow, temp, you know, all those things ha- happen. It's not, not necessarily through bad tent design, it's just yeah. from climatic conditions and temperature and how good your sleeping bag is and the heat you're generating, all those kind of stuff can affect it. But if you know that you've deliberately made it where there's an angle on your toes, we can try and cure that. Um, 
livable spaces, like how do we make them so they're easy to, mm. to, to use? There's like loads of storage for phones and stuff like that. There's like a stowable pocket. So when you've got the inner, it's that big thing with like, if you've got inners and it's like, oh, just get out of the way. And you can't, no one can be bothered tying, you know, when <laughs> the expectation to roll something very neatly <laughs> and tie. Um, I, I'm past that. You know, I've got loads of tents where I say, oh, we must have a tie to you know, I've been in tents where people, well, what you can do is you can roll it very neatly. I'll never roll it. No one does that. No so we've made it where you're going to go, right, you should be in the pocket. Let's make it simple. Because you want to, again, it's just that you want to enjoy the experience. You don't want to be kind of like sort of faffing around. So those, those are two new tents, which I think maybe next few weeks mm. we'll do that. There's a, uh, yeah, another one with a um, pole star with the A-frame with walking poles. So that, that, those are kind of the immediate things. If the question is more, where are we going? <laughs> God, that's such a difficult question. A lot of it is more of the same and better of what we do. So definitely looking at the products that we already do and you know because a lot of them span quite a long time yeah. range from when we first did them to where we are now so there's there's a constant bit of, of evolution whenever we're looking at a, we're reordering tents or it's next season there, there's always little tweaks which are very difficult to shout about because we've got a lot of products i suppose fun, fundamentally we we definitely see ourselves as that, that kind of multi-sport mm. brand so definitely the fact that we are cycling Outdoors, swimming is a you know, real emerging. I've got wild swimming next. Time. Yeah, yeah, real, yeah, real. And, and uh, the, the the swim range has done amazing. I mean, it's gone nuts this year. Yeah. Really, you know, so we see yeah. amazing growth in that. And I think you, there are probably then the sort of natural paddle sports is on the horizon and that, that sort of stuff. Bike rafting. Why you won't let me? No, well, no, I'm I bound wife to won't let you. A, a pack raft. I just know it will be disastrous if we ever do that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess with it, with like the pack rat, there's always a difficulty where there's, there's some companies that do it so well, and you're kind of thinking, can we really add to that? And you have to be really careful that, you, that you're literally not yeah. just adding to what you do, yeah. and you're not actually doing what's good. But what I would say is, we probably there's elements where you go, we've probably not really looked at the luggage that might be useful for doing pack rat and bike packing. Okay. You know, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah, is there yeah, something yeah. actually that's there? The we're doing a project where someone's going to go uh, on the Mourn Mountains, really very rough terrain. Yeah. So rather than it's just a hiker bike and going to push it, it's actually I'm going to take the bike apart, carry it, mm. climb, mountaineer kind of wow. thing, and then ride. So there's an element there where we're looking at both the bike design and then the oh. bags in order to do that. Cool. And they're more, you know, they are kind of pet projects. Yeah. You know, that's not a, we're not going to sell thousands of those. But hopefully it shows that we're kind of in the same way as when we start the stuff with Shaggy and Paul, we see what that might morph into. Yeah. And although the kind of access arrangements on some of the hills are kind of like, is that appropriate? You know, we saw the Danny McCaskill going yeah. down slabs. Yeah. The mix of being able to take the bike into wilder terrain where you're gonna have it, it is gonna be on the, on your back. And it's not necessarily just a carry, mm. it's more deconstructed and, and then you know, carried up. That's the sort of thing where we like getting involved because you never know what the next spin is. You know, I've seen you know some of the stuff in in the Alps where people have done you know some ser- serious ascents and then obviously some serious descents from that. But to be able to kind of chain that into a horseshoe suddenly, where you know moments are coming kind of at one peak and they're going straight yeah. down, but suddenly where they're thinking, well, 
essentially like three or four peaks there. Could we could we do that? That's the sort of thing where the the more that we're sending a message to say, well, we've done this thing in the more mountains, that kind of work will invariably means we'll get another email going, well I've got this idea, you know, I'm I'm gonna go to, to Canada to do the winding the circle concordals. You know, we could maybe, you know, yeah. maybe help. So things, things like that. There's, oh, can I say this? Maybe I can say it. Of course you can. So. <laughs> you can only say it that you haven't said it at all. Yeah, no, we can always say it. Yeah. So, this, this, so this is, this is, this is literally happening this week. Brilliant. So at the moment, we are, we've got, we're friends with Gil Marine, who are based in Nottingham. And they have got a sail that's come off one of the Vendée Globe boats and they've got a sail that they wanted us to turn into a bag so a bit of a promo item that turns into a bag okay we can do that we've got machines to do that the fabric is vx21 the dimension polyamp that we use essentially that they are a company that makes sail fabric so we're really familiar with that technology and then the idea is this thing's already been around the world as a sail so why don't we make a set of bike luggage that's going around the world and it's kind of like if we can do that because suddenly you know yeah. it's like so you, know, you kind of think of like self-powered I, yeah. I've then got to think about with if Sarah Alton's listening and <laughs> on her self how do we then turn it into something else yeah. that can go round but I, we just thought that was a really nice connection between essentially the two worlds with still you know the materials where bike packing took a sail fabric and because of the stiffness and things like that yeah. it worked really well with bike packing so again it's like how can we what else we can do? So that's fantastic. Uh, that should happen. I like, literally said like that. That was a conversation yesterday. Right. Oh nice. wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. So what what we've figured from this then is that basically you still got the same passion as you had when you first started, and it's all about evolving but having fun. And it, I I I'd actually say even more. Really. Because what's fantastic. really what's really nice is that as we've seen as we've seen the company grow. And we've got more, you know, more in the team as the shops have their own kind of identity, yeah, yeah. and seeing um, how people connect with each of the stores, how how we get introduced with other other the kind of intricacies of the sport, you get a deeper understanding. You know, when when I think about the the stores and you know Abby and Ali and um, the Kazik store, and the fact that you know that part of their day is getting up at six o'clock in the morning, going swimming in in all sorts, you know, like. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help but have passion yeah. because you realise how passionate you know as a team about stuff. Neil, who does the bike design, Neil Sutton, coming off on a weekend ride and then going right, this is the bike that we need to design. This is what we need to do. You get reinvigorated with yeah. all that kind of yeah. that passion. So yeah, bring it on. Yeah, more more in space, absolutely. Well, thanks, Nick. Finally, we've met somebody who can talk as much as we can. We never thought we'd meet our match, but we certainly have. We certainly did. I mean, that was an incredibly informative interview we did. So thank, our thanks go to Nick uh, for forming Outkit uh, and the lovely phrase, go nice places, do good things. Yeah, we're really looking forward to doing that, especially as Han's book is now out in, in publication. It is. If you want a copy of the Pennine Bride Away, go to the good people at Versebrook Publishing and give them some money. Yes, give them some money for that, give them some money for some other nice books, whatever you fancy. Uh, and also thank you to Schwalbe Tires for providing the rubbery bits for, us, for our adventures. And the kit for providing Nick to come and chat to us. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> See you in the next episode. Who knows what we'll get up to.